All right, appreciate very much the work of Miss Donna and Miss Hannah. And uh, const- <coughs> constantly improving. Amen. Working at it. Praise the Lord for that. <coughs> oh, what in the world? All right. Uh, Romans 6 and 1 Peter. We're going to be looking at more of baptism tonight. Romans 6 and 1 Peter 3. <clears throat> those, are our, those are two of the primary passages we're going to be in. Uh, not the only passages, but certainly two of the primary. Tonight, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, probably one that's like last week was the mode. I mean, I know we're Baptist and it's preaching to the choir, but again, it's a good reminder. Tonight is symbolism, the symbolism of baptism, scriptural baptism. And we're going to, uh, matter of fact, some of the stuff we've kind of started walking over already. Uh, but, and why we talk specifically symbolism as opposed to um, what many religions believe that baptism is a sacrament. Okay? And by that, what they usually mean, sacrament can be defined different ways, but what they usually mean is, is that baptism is necessary to receive divine grace. Okay? That's, what the, that's how they would say it, that sac, that's baptism is necessary to receive divine grace. We do not believe that. Um, baptism is a result, a natural result of divine grace. Uh, matter of fact, we're gonna, the Bible talks quite clearly about it. And we're going to address a few of the passages where it, it, seems to look, it seems to look like the Bible requires baptism and, and belief, and we'll look at some of that. Just a little bit, but so baptism, scriptural baptism, it's symbolism. So essentially, if we could ask this question, what's the motive? What's the motive in baptism? So like again, if you believe that baptism is a sacrament, then the motive in baptism would be the need to receive divine grace. But that's not what we believe, never has been what we believe. And by the way, it does make a difference what you believe. Um, there is truth and there is error, okay? And some people say, well, that's what you believe, and I'll, I have my own opinion. That's great, but if your opinion is in error, then I am going to present you with scriptural truth, okay? Uh, has anybody ever found out that your opinion was in error and was willing to admit it? <laughs> okay. Uh, we're, so we're going to look at what the Bible says. Scriptural baptism, it's symbolism, Okay. The design, the complete design of baptism should be as immediately clear to all of us. The design of baptism. I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, under the water, the Holy Ghost. Uh, you know, buried, uh, my brain just went dead. I should know this off the top of my head. Buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. We talk about that. And, uh, I mean, symbol. That's as simple as it can get. That's one of the reasons we, again... We know that it is certainly a, uh, it's immersion, not dipping, okay? So, but it's a symbol, not a sacrament. We need to talk about this just a little bit. So while you're in Romans 6, this is one of the primary spots where you look at, Romans 6. And even, even the term baptism here is almost used in a multiple facet, okay? And what we're looking at here is similes, similes. Some of you remember your English, your English uh, training where... The use of the word as or like, that's like a simile, okay? Some things that are similar, 
Okay, simile. So Romans chapter 6, look at it, says, uh, let's go down to verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now, uh, there's some argument about this. I tend to believe we're talking here about uh, salvation. Okay? Baptized into Jesus Christ, being baptized into his death. Uh, we're not baptized into his death at baptism. We're baptized into his death when we become believers in Jesus Christ. So this first one sure appears to be the word baptized used for immersion. Okay? When you are, when you are immersed in Jesus Christ or at salvation, okay, we're baptized into his death. Well, what's so big about his death? I mean, I'm being a little facetious there. A little tongue-in-cheek because his death paid for our sins. Okay? And when we, when we were saved, we became one with his death on the cross, and our sins were paid for because he paid for them. Okay? So, verse 4, now look at this. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And we don't need to read on. as we're talking about a different doctrine here. But look at the words it uses. So, um, let's see here. Verse, uh, verse 4, partway through. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead. you see that? Verse 5, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death... Verse chapter 6, uh, chapter, yeah, we're, I'm sorry, go down to verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Okay, and uh, that word form there is a pattern. Really interesting, it's an image. The image, uh, it's a uh, pattern, it's an example, it's a sign, it's a type. Again, so you, you see these, these uh, symbolism, okay? And a, a verse we're going to look here in a little bit. I don't want you to turn there now, but First Peter chapter 3 calls it the figure. Calls baptism a figure, whereunto uh, even baptism doth now save us. So th- there's a lot of symbolism here. Even the Bible language seems to indicate that it's just a symbol. It's not a sacrament. It does not say, it doesn't say, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, Okay, that as Christ was raised up from the dead, okay, no, I mean, that's not, it's like as. It's not, you had to be, you have to do this just because he had to do it. It's a picture. It is a picture of the death, burial, resurrection, like, likeness, form, figure, okay? Those are pretty obvious terms, okay? Um, another thing, and this is the simplest way I know how to do this. What, is, what does it say when I am choosing to identify with by identify by being alive and buried and alive again. Who am I? Who am I telling about? I'm telling about Christ. That baptism, baptism basically reveals the gospel. I mean, it makes it it points at Jesus and gives Him glory. Baptism, by its very nature, gives Jesus glory. I am a believer in He who was alive and died and rose again. I mean, that is just. I mean, it's absolute. That's a very connection. The act of baptism. So, listen, I, I love the cross. I do love the cross. But this is not the symbol of our religion. That's the symbol of our religion. The baptism. Why? Because that is, that is the whole story. The cross stops only halfway through. 
And I'm not against the cross. I love the cross, sing songs about the cross, sing songs about the blood. But if we could, have, if we could pick one symbol of our religion, that's, that is it right there. And that encompasses the cross. It encompasses Jesus. It encompasses the empty tomb. I mean, the baptism is the, uh, you know, it's not a fish. I would just be wary, completely wary of using a fish as your symbol of Christianity, okay? I know people try to sanitize it now and make it sound really nice, but it does not descend from a good place, okay? Uh, if, if we have one symbol, that would be it right there. And that's, that's the one that we look at. We are dead and buried and risen again. It's the best visual aid that has ever existed for the gospel. There is no better visual aid for the gospel. Okay? So, uh, let's see here. Baptism, baptism, proper baptism, the symbol of baptism, okay, what happens is, is if we, if we make it a sacrament, we start weaving into or turning into error, doctrinal error, actually heresy, by actually taking the Scripture and just pulling out certain verses to our own advantage, okay, and just ignoring a lot of other verses. For instance, okay, Mark 16, 16, I'd encourage you to go look at it, okay? So, matter of fact, why don't you turn to it, because there's part of this I want you to see. Mark 16, 16, okay? There's only six verses... That seem to that seem on a, an initial reading to uh, teach that baptism is a part of salvation. Don't be scared of stuff like that. Okay, it exists. We have to deal with it, um, and usually the answer is fairly straightforward. Okay, so Mark sixteen sixteen. This is one of those verses. Okay. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Okay? So, it sure looks like, right off the bat, I mean, look at it. It sure looks like baptism is a part of something that's necessary for salvation. Now, the problem is that verse, this verse literally itself refutes that. Well, how does it do that? Well, if you're saved by salvation and baptism, then how come you aren't damned by no belief and no baptism? Okay? How are you damned? By lack of what? Belief. So if there's no belief, you're damned, okay? So the verse itself says there could be a conflict here. There could be something that's not entirely, entirely whole, um, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. If I was to put it this way, um, uh, I'm a bus driver. I pull up to the bus stop, look out, and the guy says, are you going to 12th Street? Um, yeah. Kind of stands and looks at me and says, oh, you want to go to 12th Street? Yeah. Then get on the bus and sit down, and I'll take you to 12th Street. Now, does he have to sit down to get to 12th Street? No, he's just got to board the bus. Is everybody here? But the difference being is he's going to be a lot more comfortable if he sits down. (laughs) Did I say something stupid? Okay. (laughs) That's just rules. If he's on the bus, he's getting to 12th Street, but I know what you're saying. I didn't have to sit when I rode. We sat on the back, and it was great. But anyways, the bus drivers today would die if they saw what Ed Tesmer drove us through. We could see a construction site and go, 
Brother Ed, take us to the construction site. <laughs> Bouncing all over, hitting our heads on the ceiling. That was great. But anyways, yeah. So you see the picture here is, is what we could be talking about is, is not necessarily salvation, but salvation plus the comfort of salvation. So I mean, there, there, there's, um, there's multiple ways to look at this verse. Not the least of which is we have to compare it to the rest of the passages that teach us what belief is. Okay? For instance, when, again, one of my favorite stories, the Ethiopian Union wants to be baptized, Philip stops him and says, do you believe? If you believe, then we can talk about baptism. Did you hear that? You hear the process? And so, I mean, there's a massive difference here in in what we would talk about. And if if we could look at several different passages, but... Typically, what we need to do when we find out these six verses that, are, that talk about this, don't pull out those six verses and ignore all the others. They must, you have to look at all those as a whole. Okay? Um, as a matter of fact, often, when, when, especially as a preacher, when I, we run across something that seems to be at odds with Scripture, what we do is we back out and we start looking at all of Scripture and say, what does the rest of Scripture say here, and why am I having a hard time understanding this one? Um, but to me, this, whole, this verse by itself has to lead us to believe that if, if I'm going to be saved by belief and baptism, then I should be damned by both, the lack of both, and I'm not. Okay, it says quite clearly that belief, lack of belief, is what leads me to damnation. Okay, so to me, that's, that's kind of a simple thing there. We may not understand exactly why baptized is there again, except for it's a lot more comfortable getting there. I, I tell you, you know, the people who often doubt their salvation the most are someone who gets saved and never got baptized. And now, granted, I, I'm, I don't rush when little kids get saved. I don't always rush to baptize them. Uh, I, want the parents to, I want the parents to talk with them and make sure that this wasn't just a, I went down because Becky went down, you know. You, you know what I'm saying? And once they understand the concept... Uh, matter of fact, I got saved at five. I didn't get baptized until I was 12. Uh, and believe it or not, it was a crisis of my salvation that brought me to understand I hadn't been baptized, and there was my problem. Uh, so kind of an interesting thing. But anyways, let's move on down here. Uh, Acts 2.38, okay, is another one of those passages that's a little questionable. Acts 2.38. And this one, again, is easily brought into question. Let me tell you, when, when the Bible is teaching a doctrine that's important, it's not questionable. It's like abundantly clear. Now, now what might be lack of clear is our misunderstanding of words and definitions, but the Bible is quite clear. So Acts 2.38. Okay? So it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, comma, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for, now that sounds, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now that again sounds exactly like you need to have baptism because of that word for. Here's the problem with the word for. The word for can also be used for another thing. It can be used in our mind. We automatically go, oh, so let me, let me, put, let me put in definition. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, in order to receive the remission of sins. But for can also be because of. Okay? For can also be because of. Um, for instance, uh, Luke 5.14, And he charged them to tell, man, tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing. He's already cleansed. 
So he's not offering in order to be cleansed. He's, off, he's offering because he was cleansed, okay? According as Moses commanded for, that's in order to show a testimony, or a testimony unto them. So the word for, even in the original language as well, can be interpreted either way. It can be interpreted in order to receive, or it can say because of. It's a very, very interesting. So it's, um, I, I just, uh, you know, it's one of those things where the verse, again, causes itself to be questioned. Now, I will tell you this. We don't pull doctrine out of the book of Acts. Okay, understand, we don't take doctrine from the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a book of stories about how they did things. If we started pulling doctrine out of the book of Acts, then we would be looking at, looking at all the apostles and we'd be trying to be healers and we, we'd want to be speaking in tongues and all this stuff. But the Bible, nowhere in the book of Acts, tells us that those things are necessary. Okay, What doctrine is is where you have a nice, clean passage that says, this is what this is. It's this. It's this. Like, if you don't understand that in Corinthians, Paul has given a ton of doctrine, okay, on how, to, how, to, how a church service should run, how a marriage should run, how, I mean, how to handle church discipline. That's doctrine, okay? Doctrine meaning this is the how-to. Acts is where we have an example of what they did, and then we can take those examples, and if we find corresponding doctrine, we put them together, okay? Very, very, just kind of an interesting thing there. But anyways... Um, so, uh, another one would be Acts uh, 22.16, okay? Acts 22.16. So, this is Paul telling his conversion story. So, it's after he's been blinded on the road to Damascus, and then he went, into, he went in uh, to Damascus or into the nearby town and prayed, and Ananias, a believer, was sent by God to him, Okay? Okay, so you got that context? So Acts 22, look at verse 16. Ananias says, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Okay, but look at verse 13. What does Ananias call Saul in verse 13? Brother Saul. Okay, so he's, he's already saying, you're a part of my family, which means what? He is a believer. How can he be a brother Saul if baptism is required to be a believer, but he's already a believer? You get the picture? You see the connection? Okay. So we could keep going on there. Uh, by the way, that's, there's more we could use here uh, in, this, in Acts 9.6, basically in that same general realm, Acts 9.6 and 1 Corinthians 1.23. Uh, well, Acts 22.16, the the, the, the language there. It's a figurative language. And I, it's hard. It's called a metonymy. I think it's how you pronounce it. Metonymy. I'm not even sure. It's one I've not studied very well. But it's basically substituting an attribute or closer related thing as a name for something. Like instead of calling, instead of calling all the guys who go in over here next door as lawyers, we could say the suits went in next door. Okay? And some of that language is being used in this passage. So there's again, there's more it's more figurative language. This isn't concrete language, uh, which, again, kind of leads us to a, a realm of, of very interesting, uh, unclear stuff. Okay? Now, what does Titus 3.5 say? Titus 3.5, one that's being used 
uh, often, but I, it's, it's not, it doesn't have it in there now. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. By the washing of baptism? No, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Well, what's regeneration? That's salvation. That's belief. That's not baptism. Okay? And nowhere, anywhere does the Bible say that the washing of regeneration is somehow baptism. It just, it's not in there. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you look at Hebrews 9.14, which we might as well go look at that real quick, Hebrews 9.14, because that also kind of gives us a clear understanding of what he's talking about with washing of regeneration. Okay? Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your, that's purges, that's washing, cleansing, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Okay? So again, we're talking about salvation and the work of Christ in us has nothing to do with baptism. Now turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Another one of these lovely passages. As a matter of fact, this one cracks me up because this one people have tried to use, but the passage in itself tells us exactly what baptism is. Uh, so it's kind of amazing. So 1 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 21. The like figure, okay, notice that word again, figure. The like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. Now listen to what it says. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven. Okay? Um, Answer of a good conscience. So, the like figure. And what he's talking about, the like figure, he's talking about Noah. Okay? Noah gets put in the ark, and he says that essentially we're both saved by water. Now, he's not putting a direct equal sign between the two he just is as an author he's got a connection he said oh yeah think about think about noah noah was saved by water now we would automatically say no he's saved by the ark right but the ark was in what it's kind of interesting that that what was the judgment for the rest of the world was the salvation of noah kind of an interesting thought there but the idea there being is that noah obeyed the Lord, he believed the Lord, right? And because he believed the Lord, the water ended up being something that saved him from the physical judgment that was happening. Now, we're not talking about salvation. Uh, he's just, there's just a, a loose connection in the stories, okay? Have you ever tried to use an illustration and somebody starts trying to make everything fit? You're like, no, no, no. Just that one little part is all I'm talking about. Isn't that kind of like this? So don't make, try to make this all that. Peter's just writing here and said, hey, so kind of like, you know, Noah believed the Lord and, you know, he ended up being saved by water. We believe the Lord and we're kind of saved. We're brought into a new life by baptism, quote unquote, and he even calls it a figure, the like figure. It's a symbol, a likeness. And, he, and then he describes what he means by that. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. Now, before you start thinking that that's talking about some spiritual washing, that actually literally means a bath, okay? The putting away of the filth of the flesh is washing off. Now, but here's the deal. The Jews put a lot of emphasis on physical washing. You remember, before you were able to enter the temple, you had to pass through the bath. 
you had to cleanse your hands, you had to wash your body. And that was a part of the ritualistic version of cleansing yourself. And he's like, no, no. He said, this isn't about cleaning up what's here. Okay? It's the answer of a good conscience. Isn't that what it says? The answer of a good conscience toward God. Now, what does that mean? A good conscience. I'm a believer. You need to be baptized. Okay. That's what the Lord says. That's what the Lord says. Well, I need to do that then. That's, that's the answer of a good conscience. Is everybody following that? Okay, I'm not sure there wasn't as much response there. So, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience. So, kind of, I just, that, to me, that's one passage I'm surprised that they try to use that. Um, because it basically, and it says, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's the connection again. Uh, if you read the whole verse, take out the parenthetical statement and read the verse. Okay, since baptism is a figure of the resurrection of Christ, then it is that which baptism pictures which saves, not the baptism. So let's, let's just read it. Okay? The like figure whereunto even baptism doth now also save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What's, what's saving us? The resurrection of Jesus Christ, not the figure of the baptism. That's just, so some of that stuff's interesting. So we're probably getting deeper than you all all want, but this is a a good way to go about it. So number two, baptism is also uh, very much symbolic because of its design, okay? And and we've kind of talked about this, but let's put it this way. It's declarative design. When I get baptized, I'm saying something. When I get baptized, I am saying something. As a matter of fact, all through time, baptism has not been some lighthearted little thing I do to say I'm, I'm a believer. Baptism has been for, baptism was known long before Christ. I don't know if you all know that or not. This is, baptism is not new. And what it was was, well, it is like our doctrine, but the practice itself of getting dunked was long before Christ. If a, if a person was walking in and he was going to be a follower of, say, let's just say Aristotle or Philo or some great uh, teacher, he would literally be baptized into that person's teaching group. And he, would be, he was making a statement saying, I am affiliating myself with this teacher. Did you hear the connection? So when you are baptized into Christ, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are identifying with Jesus Christ. It is a statement. You are, and a matter of fact, I, I encourage you, not be, you'd be surprised how many people have been brought to Christ because they were invited to a baptism. I'm serious. You, you, might, you might not even connect the dots, but God does. My family is brought to Christ because they got invited to my, see my niece get baptized. And that's not an unusual story. Baptized. Allegiance. I am I'm identifying. I'm giving my allegiance to Christ. I am identifying with the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we could put it this way, that to be a baptism, Baptist, baptism is your uniform. Um, I'm, I met a Marine today. Okay? Uh, and you all probably know this, he just, he just left the Marine Corps. Okay, so you all who know, is he now an ex-Marine? Marines are always Marines, okay? He's not wearing the uniform, but he is still a Marine, okay? Uh, but he had the uniform. He was issued a uniform, as a matter of fact, there's still a Marine, and some, some people here know that if you went into town as a Navy, as a Navy boy and wore your civvies, you're still a Navy boy. You know, you're the, you know what I'm, getting, I'm talking about. So we, this is kind of our uniform. 
Um, the uniform does not make you a soldier. It simply declares openly what kind of soldier you are. Okay? And baptism is one of those things where it says, I am a believer in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. I identify with Christ, and I identify with, with these people. So, if you're, if you're not being baptized, okay, now follow this along, can, can a non-citizen, I mean, can a, can a citizen, a regular citizen, not a soldier, wear a military uniform? Well, sure they can. I can go down to the Army Navy store and buy a whole uniform. Matter of fact, I've got most of one. Can, can I physically wear a uniform? Does that make me a soldier? No, absolutely not. Does everybody know that you've ever watched Stolen Valor videos where people, they, they blunt force, say, hey, you, this medal's on the wrong side, that medal's upside down, what are you doing? You know, that just cracks me up. But you know, there's people that can, they can be baptized, but they've never been a believer. Or they weren't baptized under proper authority. You understand know what I'm saying? They might be wearing a uniform, but they're not a believer. So that's why some people have to be rebaptized. That's why we do that. So that's a de- the declarative design. I am. I am one with Christ. Okay? I am declaring my allegiance to Christ. Um, all right. Let's see. The personal design of scriptural baptism. Okay? Um, and what I mean by this is it is the very first step of obedience on a long life of obedience. It's why I never tell someone, I mean, yes, my preference is to get someone baptized as soon as as possible, but at the same time, I'm not just going to run them up there and baptize them with them having no clue of what's going on. I got wet, okay. No, I'm going to explain the whole thing, and I'm going to put the ball in their court and say, okay, this is the very first step of you as a believer. It's a very important thing. You're making a declaration. It's a very important step. And uh, you tell me when you're ready. And I'll, I'll start shutting the conversation down and walking away. Because I cannot force their obedience. I would be wrong to start anyone off on forced obedience. They must choose themselves to be obedient to Christ. Not with the pastor saying, you've got to do this. Come on, let's do this. Shove you in the tank. Let's go. Okay. You know, no, I want them to look at me and say, yes. Uh, if that's what the Lord wants me to do, I'm going to do it. If the very first thing they do out of the bat is say, no, I don't want to do that. And we're not talking about fear of water issues. You know what's funny is, people that are scared of water who are true believers inevitably get in the baptistry tub. And usually pretty quick. I've, that's kind of interesting that I've seen that more and more often. But when somebody, first thing you tell them is, well, now you need to get baptized. And you start telling them about what baptism is and what the process is. And they say, I don't know if I want to do that. And you're like, Really? Really? I think we missed something somewhere along the line. You know, you know what I stopped, you know what I want to start doing then? I'm going to back all the way up to it, act, treating them as if they're not saved and start at the gospel again. Does everybody hear me? I'm going to start at the gospel again and say, okay. Let, maybe we need to start over because if you're, not, if you're not understanding that when I get saved, I am yielding of myself completely to Christ, I didn't explain something properly. Amen? There wasn't enough amens on that. Baptism is not ABC, repeat after, I mean, salvation is not ABC, repeat after me. Oh, you said this little prayer, you're good to go. There has to be connection. And then the prayer, I mean, the prayer can be almost anything. Look at how many different types of prayers are in the Bible. There's a wide variety. There's no formula 
Okay? But there is a definite understanding. It has to be an understanding of who, who he is and who I am. Amen. I mean, that's just... And so sometimes we have to go back. So if there's an unwillingness to take a very first step of obedience, either we've got a major pride issue we've got to deal with, or we miss something in the salvation process and have to go back and explain that again. So it's, a, it's an act of obedience. Let's just say Matthew 28, 19. I mean, let's just go right to the Great Commission. Teaching them, baptizing them. Our teaching them should result in their wanting to be baptized. I mean, that should be a direct connection. Okay? But let me ask you all a question. And there's, there are some believers that actually don't believe this. Does blessing come through obedience? You need to shake your head like this. The New Testament's actually quite clear about this. John 14, 23. Okay? Now, does God bless those? Does God bless us anyways, despite our being fools sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. But blessing does come through obedience. John 14, 23. Baptism, you might say, is a test of personal obedience to Christ. It presents an immediate opportunity for the individual to publicly declare, I stand with Christ. Amen. And if a person is not willing to do that, there's kind of an issue there. Um, let's see here. Baptism, obviously, would be an acceptance of the teaching of the Bible. Okay? Um, so, yeah, as the whole con- baptism and acceptance of the whole counsel of God. Luke 7, I'll read this one for you. Luke 7, 29 and 30 says... And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. So baptism was, a, was a, an acknowledgement of I am receiving the whole counsel of God, even if it applies to me. It follows the Lord's example. The Lord was baptized. Now, this is an interesting question, but... If baptism is needed for salvation, why did Jesus get baptized? Hello? <laughs> he didn't need to be baptized. Okay. Um, and this is kind of an interesting one, but I think I've introduced this word to you before, but the word antinomian, okay? The antinomian and the, there's a kind of a, a spectrum of ideas under that belief, but the simplest way to say it is they love the verse, um, but where sin abounds, grace is much more abound. And so the antinomian strict belief would be, if we want more grace, then we have to sin more. Do you get the picture? Okay. Where sin abounds, grace... And we, Baptists have been accused of being antinomians. Uh, and again, that, that's, there's a spectrum there of what falls under antinomians. But think about this. Baptism reminds us of what happened when we accepted Christ as our Lord. So... Think about back in our passage in Romans 6. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That is anti-antinomian. <laughs> that is saying quite clearly, no, my life from here needs to be a new life and it needs to show that it needs to represent that and of course if christ is there that will do that and then of course the functional design this is the simplest thing the functional design what does it do well number one it's the first step in serving the lord the lord says you ought to be baptized so what do you do if there's anything i want to teach my kids beyond anything else is trust the lord and serve him forever (laughs) and we can start right there with baptism 
The Bible says you need to be baptized. What am I going to do? Go get baptized because that's what God says I need to do. Simple as that. Serve the Lord. Baptism is a starting point in serving the Lord. And then this. Baptism is the door to church membership. Uh, The whole idea of separating salvation and then baptism and then membership, okay, is something that basically arose, believe it or not, with the easy believism movement. The whole realm of ABC, pray after me. Okay, pray this little prayer. As long as I get them to say the prayer at the door, I can count them down as a salvation, even if they never show up at my church. And I'm telling you, I've heard numbers on this. I, uh, they sounded like sales numbers. Uh, that's not biblical. That's not connection. Don't separate those three. Those, those three are not uh, separated. Someone who is saved, who is truly saved, baptism should be a natural outflow of that salvation. And baptism is directly connected to church membership. And I can take you right to the book of Acts, Chapter 2, verse 41, I've, I've, I've probably beat this horse to death, but I don't, with as much false doctrine as out there, I don't think you can beat it hard enough. So Acts chapter 2, because I'm telling you, this is where people start messing with Scripture and they just ignore the plain, the, the plain uh, English, the plain words of Scripture. Okay, Acts chapter 2, 41. Okay, so hope Peter preaches, a whole bunch of people get saved. Then they that gladly received his word, they, okay, they, they were believers, were baptized, colon. Doesn't, it doesn't have a comma like there was three steps here. Colon. That means what's next has to do with what was just said, baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. The baptizing is the adding. The baptizing is the adding. Okay, and you can't, and you search scripture, you won't, you won't find it disconnected anywhere. Nowhere does the New Testament know of a believer who is baptized, who is not a member of a church. The New Testament doesn't know, it. it's, that's it, that's what's connected. It's this new stuff that we've got, well, I can worship God out in the forest, and I can worship God. Well, yeah, but it's funny, the people always tell me that, I highly doubt that they usually have, but I think they're worshiping fish and beer, but anyways, um, Oh, come on now. That was at least somewhat funny. Okay, a few people are smiling. Okay, good. So, functional design. It is the door to church membership. I could take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 there too, but we won't talk about that because I don't think that that's actually water baptism, but some do. So, well, excuse me, I do think that's water baptism. Not spirit baptism. It's water baptism that places us into the body of Christ with a gift to be used in that body. I said that way messed up. So baptism is the door to church membership. Functional design of scriptural baptism. So if you want a memory verse that you can throw with that section, you want it, you're going to go back to the passage in Romans and just consider this. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. To me, to me, and I'm just going to end with this. This is the, and this is just Timology, okay? But it comes from this verse right here. The idea is that I am saying that I am, I'm, I have now chosen to believe in Jesus Christ. I have placed all my hope and trust in Him, in His death on the cross, and His burial, and His resurrection for me, for me personally. And that I now with Him, okay, my old man now, the old person that I used to be, is dead. And now that I'm a believer, there's a new person walking around. Okay? 
There's a new person walking around, and now it's my job to act like what I am. By the faith, by trusting God, by faith in God, trusting, because I know he's doing the work. Now it's up to me to act like what God says I am and trust him for the areas where I blow it. But thank the Lord we walk in newness of life. Baptism, it's symbolism. It's symbolism. So next week we will be looking at its administrator. It's, as a matter of fact, I might throw in another one. We'll see, we'll see how much. That's a fairly short one. Um, no. no, we'll stick right here. It's administrator. Because uh, believe it or not, you've heard of open and closed communion, open, close, and closed communion. We could actually get into open and closed baptism if you want to define it that way. So, but we'll talk about that. It's administrator next week. Father, we thank you very much for baptism.